Attention, all Goat Guns enthusiasts! Have you seen what Sarge has released recently? These new models and attachments are sure to excite you. Outfit your desk with these meticulously crafted gun models. Guaranteed to exceed your expectations. We'll buy them back up to 100 days. Don't miss out on the opportunity to add these stunning pieces to your collection. Visit GoatGuns.com now to see our new releases. Hey, 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 it's Faye OJ, and you're tuned into a bonus episode of The Motion. If you're new to The Motion, this is a podcast where we get conversation moving in the best way possible. And that's for a twist of an academic style debate. From music to culture to politics to fashion, this podcast is guaranteed to get your emotions in motion. And that is not changing today. What is changing, however, is the fact that I will not be hosting today's episode. In the lead up to season three, we've given the show away to some really exciting guest hosts. The format remains the same. They'll be joined by guests with conflicting opinions who enter into an intellectual tug of war to sway the guest host's vote to their side of the motion. They chose their topics, they chose their guests. I am literally here, like you, to sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Welcome to The Motion Podcast, hosted by Tochi. Tochi is a freelance music and culture journalist whose credits include Vice Magazine, Guelph, Clash Magazine, The Floor Magazine, and she also hosts a show called The Black British Sound on RTM FM radio station. Hi, everyone. I am Tochi, your guest host, and today we're going to be debating posthumous content. For those of you who don't know what that is or what that means, it's basically content that has been released, published, sent out, after the death of the person who it belongs to. So, I'm now going to go over to our hosts who are going to introduce themselves and their argument. Hey guys, my name is Maya. I'm a politics and international relations graduate. I'm currently a broadcasting assistant and producer at Represent Radio. With posthumous albums or posthumous content altogether, I'm not against them because I feel like it's a good expression of the artists and their content, their music, what they're wanting to release. Hey, I'm Andrea. I'm the social media and content manager for The Floor magazine, a platform for like upcoming artists. Worked like around music a bit, but I'm generally just a fan and I collect vinyls. My opinion and like opening statement I would say is I'm against releasing those albums because it's unethical. It's like making money off someone's diary after they've died and for me it just doesn't something just doesn't sit right with me there. Let's get into it. I think it's also important that we have a bit of context for what we're all saying. So, for example, with Pop Smoke's Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, people argued that because he was so involved with the making of the album that ultimately it coming out wasn't that deep. And for Mac Miller Circles, we know that his family was very much involved. In fact, they asked his producer to finish the album for him. And then we have examples such as Amy Winehouse's Lioness Hidden Treasures, where we are very aware that her dad was exploitative of her during her career. So that's why I think the family angle is really important to note of course the main issue that people tend to flag like Andrea said is that it's kind of like releasing things that are personal to the artist and we can never know whether they wanted that to come up for sure so what I wanted to first ask you guys was what the family thinks the family of the person who owns the content whether what they think has a impact on your stance for example like the lisa left eye album when that came out like her family was involved in it and they like donated to her foundation and stuff like that like it was a proper labor of love but like the actual music wasn't good so i think the family especially when they don't work in music like we know tupac loved his mom his mom loved tupac but she still let that Eminem album happen. And I don't feel like it's something that should have gone on. Some people have the ear, some people don't. And fair enough if, like, you know, she's given it to the hands of another musician to, like, you know, take hold of. 
I still think if the artist hasn't directly been in contact with you, like you don't need to be playing with their sounds and their ver- their verses and their words. I definitely agree with what you said about the family actually working like in the music industry. I think it's important for the family to be involved in like the creative process once the artist has passed away. But kind of only if they have like a good relationship with their family, because like, I think it's all relative to if their input was there like prior to the artist's death. Let's say that Mac Miller was like, you know, if I die, I think I'd like my music to be released. How does that alter your stance? Let's say he said yes in 2005. He's died in 2017. How do we know that 12 years on? He's completely happy with that. It depends on a few things, but I think within like the music industry, I'm like assuming that when it comes to like creating content and creating music and releasing it, it's very personal. And I'm sure that even after that 12 years has passed, you would kind of understand the viewpoint of the artist and you would be able to make it like a good judgment on whether or not that would still be their their opinion. So it's not something that I feel like artists should have to continually say, okay, by the way, guys, just to let you know, like I'm still good with you like releasing my album. You should be able to make that judgment, especially if you're like, your family, they're your producer, or you work with in such a close way, I feel like that's something that you would be able to tell, even if like a long time had passed before you'd, they'd like explicitly said like, yeah, I'm good with this, by the way. Andrea, do you agree? No, I don't agree because say we use like roughly the dates you said, say someone's recorded something in 2005 and then they've like passed away and someone's found it and, and their family member or whoever that we say is acceptable to release stuff. And they're like, oh, I feel like let's like we should put this out now. I don't think that it's always right, especially when people are like putting out demos that people have made. You have artists like Chris Brown, for example, he said somewhere that he makes like 300 songs in a period of time. I don't know if it was a year or something like that. And on his albums, obviously, we only get, (laughs) quote unquote, only get like 30, 40. So obviously they do have, they might have like a lot of songs that were made at a certain time, but like that's how they felt and that's how they sounded and that's how they were at that type point in time. And I don't think it's fair to put out someone's like demos and stuff just because you want to hear their voice because that's not... If they wanted you to hear it, it would be out. For example, someone like Prince, he didn't have posthumous content, but he said he doesn't ever want any of his um, work to go on streaming sites. The second he died, Spotify, Tidal, every man had it. Like, how do you guys feel like... My thing is, like, I think the ethics is like really important. If I have explicitly said I do not want my content being put out on streaming platforms and then after I die, you go and do it anyway. I think that's so bad, mine. If the person's not there to say so themselves, then it shouldn't it shouldn't be put out. For example, taking like um, Studio Ghibli films into consideration, like he's also someone who said that he wouldn't put his content out on streaming platforms. But, you know, pandemic, this, that and the other, a lot of things taken into consideration at the moment. So the movies are now on Netflix and but he is around to kind of make that decision if like for example where prince's music is available like that's just that's just that's just a bit out of order i didn't actually know that as well i think that's just it's just it's disrespectful because then if anything you're like you're showing that you're not concerned about their legacy which is what we what their music is about and does that impact whether you'll listen to it or not that's for both of you you know hmm. yeah i looked and i was like well (laughs) i think for me if it's an art even if it is to be fair, like, you'll end up hearing it by accident. I'm just saying, anyway, like, I feel like I'd just trip and fall and just land on his name on, on, <laughs> on Spotify, I can't lie. Um, it does make it a bit more difficult. I would try my best not to. That's an honest answer. I can't tell you that I absolutely won't, but I would try and not to. Because you do it with other songs. There's artists that you try not to listen to and there's artists that you don't completely listen to, do you know what I mean? So I would try if I know that an artist I support has said that. 
to be fair, now that this is something that I know, like I actually will, will not listen to his music and streaming platforms. I I am this is a completely different conversation, but I'm part of the cancel culture. Like mm-hmm. if I'm not done with you anymore <laughs> or you do something, like I'm not gonna let my entertainment contribute to you, your profits basically. Mm-hmm. It's very disrespectful. But he was they were given the rights to it by whoever, I think it was his label, Shock Horror. They never do that. Labels, they are the pinnacle of ethics. Do you guys think that an artist's financial situation is a fair reason to use their content? So with Michael Jackson, for example, he did leave his family in a lot of debt. So they were like, you know what? We're going to release not one, not two, not three, but 15 tapes of Michael Jackson's music because he left us in a pot of debt. Like, does that make it better in some ways or does that make you understand it more? I think it does make me understand it a bit because obviously, well, for example, say his kids were, de- or whoever's kids or whoever were dependent on that person bringing in money, etc. Like, say they were getting their money from tours and etc. and they can't do that anymore. I do see why they would, you know, put stuff out. But in that case, especially if it's an artist that has a legacy, there's so many ways that you can repackage and repurpose their stuff that's already out. You just have to, like, think about it. And the fans will buy stuff that's already out, as we can see with, like, a lot of the Queen stuff and things like that. But isn't that still posthumous content? Because they've not necessarily said, I want you to make the 25th anniversary version of my song. For me, I would say something like that, if it's literally already there and you're just repurposing it, I would obviously it does count as something after but I wouldn't count it as the same as making up a whole new project from their demos and stuff and it's like yeah this is 12 demos from this artist and you know we don't know why they didn't release it but here you go and then they get loads of money from it like that's where I'm against it (laughs) if you're repackaging something that's already out as well we know it's for money so do your thing as long as it's something they've already agreed that is in the world yeah I kind of I I kind of feel the same like what I mentioned before for me I think the ethics is really really important and normally the argument would be like whether or not the artist wants it to be released but where it's the case that like they've left the family in a lot of debt and especially when it's not debt of their own I wouldn't say that it's all right but I can understand it um because it's not fair for like the family that have been left behind to now come in like a financial suffering or like being like um in debt is like a big like it's a, it's a huge burden to have so i think it's fair to begin to go into the main debate the quote i'm going to give you guys and give you guys to do what you will with is unreleased music is unreleased for a reason All songs, if they're not unreleased, they're definitely not there for a reason, do you know what I mean? Whether it be under the artist's wish, the label's wish, whoever, like, it's not out because it's not supposed to be out. It's back to the whole diary thing. So, like, if you have made a bulk of songs around the time that you felt a certain way or, you know, you... Okay, let's say instead of feelings, let's take it to, like, sound sonically. This is the kind of space you're in. You're experimenting with this sound. You're an R&B artist, for example, and you've made a mix a mixtape of, like afrobeat stuff and you know it's unreleased but it's there when you've done it and some of it's okay but it's not really what you sound like so you just leave it unreleased i would say no one should release it after you die someone might be like oh well by the way there were this artist but they also dabbled in this and like you know run with it as a story i don't think it needs to come out because that's where you were as an artist at that point in time and if you didn't think it was good enough to share with the world then while you're alive why should we all have it now to read over but is all unreleased music music he didn't plan to release because it could be unreleased because it it was scheduled for next Monday, you died on Sunday. Does that make a difference? Um, I think 
it makes a difference if you were working towards something. For example, Biggie Smalls, his like album that came out after he died, literally like 16 days, two weeks after he died, it was his like follow-up album. So it was stuff that he was working on to be released. In that case, I would say, yeah, like putting it out makes sense. But things like demos and where it's like, oh, this person recorded this song that was supposed to be for this and someone else sang it instead. Like, I think that's unreleased for a reason and there's no reason that would unlock it after you've died. Maya, we've given you time to to marinate. (laughs) I feel like it really depends. And it's really, of course, it's like difficult to speak on because if the artist has passed away, you can't, you can't, obviously you can't have that conversation with them. But I think we also have to be kind of careful to not, make assumptions like we can't assume that because Tochi didn't tell me she didn't want this song out or because Tochi didn't express like say to me directly I do not want this song released so I think it's difficult to um just assume that because it is unreleased that like it was never meant to be heard by anybody if it's just a song sitting around that I hadn't quite finished or and maybe I wasn't I was unsure about it but just from like a creative perspective um like you know people are always perfectionist with their own work then I feel like it's not really that bad a question that I've kind of been thinking about throughout the conversation is like, if you're so against posthumous albums, then why do you listen to them? Because you're also contributing to mm-hmm. um, these record labels and the families like like maximising like, of their profits. If you weren't completely against them, why would you not? Why don't you just turn off like your ears and listen to them at all? Like, why do you still enjoy their content? <laughs> not turn off your when ears. When I look at it, I have to look at it with two different heads on, like two sides of my brain. So you got to. I look at it with like my, you know oh, I respect the craft and I respect that this person wouldn't have wanted to share this after they've died and stuff like that. I look at it like that, but I also look at it from the thing where I'm a fan. And as I said before, after someone dies or passes away, you are like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get this again. I'm not going to get that again. What do I do? And Mm -hmm. then knowing that you can expect some music coming out or especially if it was something they were already working on, then I'm more likely to go and listen with a few albums that have come out after people died. I don't really go and listen to them because I'm like, I don't know. That's where that side of my head comes in. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know how I feel about this. But a lot of the time, the fan side of me, it comes out. I'm a fan of music. Can't lie. (laughs) If there's music there, I'm going to dabble. You know, I'm going to just turn my headphones on a little bit and just listen. But that does not mean that I think all albums should like that are released after someone dies should come out especially when there's you get albums like loyal to the game by eminem and he's playing with tupac's voice because why and when sorry and mm. when and where and how in the world would tupac and dido link up exactly so <laughs> so <laughs> thank you very much guys in cases like that like where you look at it and you look at the track list and stuff and you're like mm, I, I don't know like you're just playing with my guy's legacy i don't know like I am. I was still clear. I think we see that a lot with like Aaliyah. Yeah. The amount of times I've seen Aaliyah yeah. soundbite on songs, I'm thinking, I don't know that Aaliyah exactly. would collaborate. You with don't Chris always Brown. know. Mm, I'm not sure about that link up. Mm-hmm. It's it's possible, but ultimately we can't know. For example, with Pop Smoke, he was more or less um, not finished, but he had done a large chunk of the album that did come out, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. Let's say he he was alive. How nice would that be? And um, he actually said, you know what? This 50 Cent tune is not even slapping, you know? (laughs) Even though he's finished it, even though he's finished it and he's like, yeah, I liked it yesterday. Today, I don't like it anymore. How, I guess, Maya, would you account for situations like that? Because ultimately, you can never know how it would have gone, even if they plan to release it next week. How do you account for 
all the things that could have happened in between him recording something, agreeing to something and releasing it. I feel like in that case, then it's not anybody's fault then. Like, we also we also can't read minds. As, as great as it would be, like, if they've changed their mind and, like, we just don't know that, I don't think it's, like, unfair for the song to still be, like, to be put out. But what I mean is, say, say if he was alive, he was oh. going to tell you that he doesn't want it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, okay. ultimately, mm-hmm. how do we know? Andrea, speak. I'm hearing the ums. Because I feel like that is a reason why you wouldn't put something that someone has, especially because, yeah, they won't be involved, even though, like, you know, artists have to, like, submit their music and all the rest of it so it sits in platforms, etc. Like, what's... Oh, my gosh. Why have I... How dare I forget Tayana Taylor's name? Um, After Tayana Taylor's album came <laughs> out, they still... Well, her, like, mini album came out before with Kanye. Um, They still made changes to it after it was on streaming sites because it was time for it to go out, but it was incomplete. And, like, that could happen with an artist. So, say, some an artist that passed away, as you said, had been working on something and they were ready to put it out and stuff. Like, what if they realised, like, oh, my gosh, we should have tweaked this or the sound on this should have been changed? Because it's happened a few times, even recently, and people have had to change stuff on streaming sites... Um, because their music isn't how they want it to sound anymore. I just think, yeah, like, it's unfair if someone's not here anymore and they can't do that and everyone has to listen to a song that they might not have fully been happy with. I also feel like at the end of the day, we are our biggest critics and there's always going to be something that we don't like. Like, for example, I think I opened my dissertation to have a look at it and I said, yeah, nah, like, (laughs) I'm not reading this again. (laughs) I said, I'm not reading this again. No, thank you. Because, like, you're always going to find something that you don't like or you want to change. I think that's just kind of, that's just natural. That's just how we are. Go, going back to like posthumous albums and posthumous content, if like the artist has changed their mind or like artists do change their mind even whilst they're like, they're still alive, it's like, you kind of can't hold the consumers accountable for that. It's not on them whether or not the artist like changed their mind about their music. Once it's out, it's like, it's, it's there for people to consume. Going back to like, who's responsible, who has control? I find it kind of kind of interesting that the CEO of Universal Music destroyed Amy Winehouse's demos. It was for like a more reason so that no one could like take her music and kind of make something out of it of what it's not supposed to be. But then it's also like, is it the responsibility of the record label to then kind of destroy like an artist's music? You also don't know if that's something the artist would have wanted as well. I think that's a good point about maybe I didn't want it to be released. Doesn't mean I need you to destroy it, put it in the skip and make sure it's been blended. Like It doesn't <laughs> need to be like that. But I think with Amy Winehouse specifically, a lot of people who were within her circle said that she yeah. was too much of a perfectionist. There was mm-hmm. absolutely no way that she would have wanted posthumous content out. And yet Lioness was still released. Right. So it's interesting how, despite people knowing and having access to that information, ultimately... If somebody wants to release it and they have the means to, they will. See, that's bad mind. Um, mm-hmm. So right before... Well, that's what I'm yeah, saying. They one, shouldn't do that. Of... Don't do that, you know? <laughs> so before we go into the closing statements, I want to ask or pose another statement rather to you guys. And the statement is... <clears throat> Posthumous albums are for the fans and not at all for the artist or their legacy. Oh, you know what? I think... It's a tough one. And firstly, just um, speaking about fans, within a fan base, people have opposing opinions. So like, I might love an artist and really want to hear the music and someone else as a fan might also say, nah, like, let them rest, like, leave it alone. But in terms of the artist's legacy, an example that I find really interesting is Otis Redding. His album, The Dock of the Bay, was released when he'd passed away. And the song that everybody knows, Sitting on the, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, really like cemented his legacy and I think if you ask anybody to name an Otis Redder song that might be the first song that comes to their mind if anything sometimes it's like a really um I feel like beautiful is not the right word to say but it is 
a nice way to like continue someone's leg- legacy and sometimes even push it push it further. I guess the question could be like, would Otis Redding still hold, would his name still hold the same weight if that song hadn't come out? I think it's a mixture. I think if it's someone that, no, all artists have fans, <laughs> but I feel like, yeah, what you said, if it's like Otis Redding or even like Jay Dilla, for example, Jay Dilla was super like, you know, instrumental behind the scenes and stuff like that, but we didn't get to hear a mad amount from him. If The Shining didn't come out after he died, like loads of people that are kind of a bit younger that weren't there or knew what he was doing, they wouldn't know that much about him and like what he had done and they wouldn't go back to look. So stuff like that definitely helps the legacy. I think all albums that are released after an artist dies are to please the fans in some way. But I do also think like, depending on how the release is going out and things like that, you can tell when it's not for their legacy or their fans, when it's just for like the label, it's just for business. Do you know what I mean? Like Freddie Mercury, Queen and the man have been making money from him for a while now. He's been dead for some time. From a business point of view, it makes sense to put out that album compilation not long after they did the Bohemian Rhapsody film because everyone's hyped about Queen and Freddie Mercury. So of course they're going to buy his album even though he's dead. So I think sometimes it's not even for the fans or the legacy. It's just for a quick check and that is bad. I think you made a really good point, Maya, about legacies. Um, So I wanted to ask you as you use Otis Redding, for someone like Michael Jackson who had not one but two, possibly three, posthumous albums. Do you think that's a situation where that did absolutely nothing, useless, completely for the fans, didn't do anything for Michael Jackson? It's not difficult to say. I feel like it was definitely for the fans, if I'm, if I'm honest with you, because he's the kind of person, I feel like he's got like such an untouchable name. When it comes to Michael Jackson, it's like Michael Jackson, the legend, like that's it. I feel like sometimes people don't really remove like the fact that he was such a great artist so like away from him so when releasing mm. the albums they're they're definitely trying to max they're definitely trying to make some money and i don't really think they're thinking about him as a person but in the case of obviously had the this is us tour which was happening um just as he died so is it possible that he would have wanted his hard work to not have gone completely to waste because you know i've been i've been getting ready for this world this global this is us tour so if there's a way for people to remember me outside of that tour, then, you know, release Michael, the album. Just because an artist dies, it doesn't mean that, like, what they've left behind isn't of worth. Because I can imagine, for example, um, say if it, what if it was, like, More Than A Woman by Aaliyah that we hadn't heard, or it was an unreleased song, or something like um, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Like, say these were songs that hadn't been released and they've had such a huge... Or well, Rock Rock the Boat was actually, you know, that was where she was filming when she died. We wouldn't have heard Rock the Boat, potentially. Exactly. So there's all of the, there's all these types of songs that, like, that come into it as well. Like, sometimes, I think if there's, like, the intention for it to be released or they've worked on a considerable amount of the album... I think that's where the labels or whoever was in control of, like, that part of his estate, they should get creative. So things like This Is It yeah do that because that's something that you know we would have seen anyway or you would have seen part of anyway so like you know he knows it was going to be out and it's something for the fans it will be good do you know what I mean but where it's just yeah you know I found a few demos let's just chuck them out and see who who buys them nah I'm so against that it sounds like you guys are very very strong in your stances so on that note I will leave you guys to give us your closing statements I do understand that albums will come out if the artist has been working on it and they just, you know, happen to pass away during the process. I do still think that I'm like, I'm definitely not for 
demos being put out afterwards it's like making money and profiting off someone's diary and I just, it just sits a bit somewhere with me so that's where I stay for me I feel like posthumous albums are a nice way to like cement an artist an artist's legacy it's like their final goodbye I do understand that there's like ethical issues involved with releasing like posthumous content but I think it kind of boils down to or what should be considered is like the artist themselves and whether or not they would want it to be out but I don't think that just because someone's passed away like their content shouldn't be released basically so after hearing both sides of the parties and hearing their arguments, I do think both sides have taught me a lot, to be honest. Maya, you came up with some banging points that Otis Redding one. I was mm-hmm. sitting here like, damn, you know, I never thought of that. <laughs> but, but... My stance does remain as it did going in, which you guys are unaware of, and that was with Andrea, that posthumous content is not wholly ethical. Will that stop me from listening to it if I stumble upon it? Not necessarily. But (laughs) I do think that um, we need to consider how ethical it is and whether that's what the artist would have wanted even if the day before they died they said yes we can never know whether they would have changed their mind on the aesthetics on how it goes out on who's on the feature Michael Jackson I don't know whether the debt would have caused him to move mad and maybe have songs with flipping Miley Cyrus we don't know but I mean big up Miley Cyrus I think shade to her her fans don't come get me I'm not trying to come at the Miley stands but Miley stands you know I'm not trying to hurt anybody (laughs) we can never be sure and for that reason I am not really a big supporter of posthumous content. So I learned quite a bit this episode, especially the fact that it's not posthumous content that I thought it was, but posthumous content. Aside from that, I think I definitely lean more towards the side that there's nothing really wrong with posthumous content. I don't think I'm a fan of when labels just do the most and are releasing more than the person even released when they were alive. But I think that music conversations tend to be split with the sort of artsy and epic side and the business side. And of course, those two sides overlap. But something I was thinking throughout this conversation is that a lot of the time when artists are alive, they actually don't have much control over their work anyway. And a lot of the final listing that we see is not necessarily the best piece of work that the artists want. It's it's what the labels think might sell more. And so there's actually an argument that you might find more authentic artistry in posthumous content. At the same time, I'm looking back and I'm thinking, what posthumous content have I consumed that I can really say is a favourite song? I don't think there are many. I think many are the music that the artist did produce when they're alive. So you can argue in that sense that it's just sort of in vain with not really a lot of gain. A question I would pose to the audience is that Do you think this changes with different art forms, with poetry, with movies? I don't know, but I thought I'd just throw that out. Thank you, Tochi. Great episode. Follow us on Instagram at TheMotion underscore, Twitter at TheMotionPod underscore. Send us an email at TheMotionPodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to stay safe and have a lovely week. We'll be back soon. (laughs) I don't know why I'm so excited. It's probably because I ain't doing this joking. I love it, love it, love it.